In the Gospels, we see Jesus over and over. We see this throughout the Gospels. Jesus has a remarkable ability to look at our natural experiences and use those to point us to spiritual reality. He uses natural experiences to point us to spiritual realities. For example, a couple of weeks ago, we looked in John chapter 3. He's having a conversation with Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? Jesus uses a natural experience of giving birth to point us to the spiritual reality of rebirth, being born again, spiritual birth. Uh, He told a story one time that we call the the parable of the sower. That's a bad name. It's not the parable of a sower. It's the parable of the soils, more accurately. You remember the story. This farmer is throwing seed. Some seed falls here. Some seed falls there. Some different types of soil. And as the soil is different, it handles the seed differently. Some accepts the seed, and, and it becomes this full beautiful plant and some rejects it like a rock it does and and so he's using natural experiences this was an agricultural community they understood farming so he could use natural experiences like farming to point them to the spiritual reality of now your heart needs is like the soil which soil are you what kind of heart do you have will you receive the gospel. In, in a similar way, they're walking along and they see a field that's it, it's harvest time. And he uses a natural experience. They're used to farming. They see the field. It's time for harvest. He says, look to the field. It's white unto harvest. And then he uses that to point them to a spiritual reality. He says, pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he might send workers. In other words, pray that God would send folks who would tell the good news, tell the gospel, and bring in a harvest of souls, a harvest of people. So throughout the, throughout the, the, the story, uh, you know, even, even toward the end there where um, he's in the upper room with his disciples, Jesus washes their feet. That was a natural experience. They did that before every formal meal. That was just part of, of the culture. So it was a natural experience. They had dirty feet They don't want dirty feet at a nice meal, so he washed their feet, a natural experience, but he used it to point them to a spiritual reality when he said, if I, being greater than you, if if I'm the master and I have served you in this way, now you go and serve one another. He uses a natural experience to point to a spiritual reality. It's important that we understand that's how he worked because it is then that we can more fully understand John chapter 6. And I want to invite your attention to John chapter 6 this morning as we hear him say, I am the bread of life, a natural experience that points to a spiritual reality. He said, I am the bread of life. Look with me, I'm in John chapter 6, and before we jump into verse 22, Let me just kind of bring you up to date real quick, because as we go through the book of John, um, it's going to take us all the way to Christmas, but in order to get there, we have to skip certain parts of the book. 
So we're, we, we, can't, we can't read every word and every line. We're having to skip some chunks of the book to get through it. So let me bring you up to date on what we've missed. Robert uh, introduced us to the, the person we've always called the woman at the well. He, he introduced us to her last Sunday. Jesus shares with her that I have living water. Oh, notice that again, a natural experience, drinking water. He uses it to point to a spiritual reality. I have this living water, which is salvation that I can make available to you. So after he leaves the, the woman at the well, he, uh, he, he starts to work among the people and he starts healing people and teaching his, his word to them. There's a lot of healing that goes on. He, uh, he heals the, 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 the person who can't walk and helps them walk. He heals the children who are sick. He, he, he makes the, uh, uh, the leper uh, clean again. And so he, he goes through this, this time of healing. And as he does these signs, these miracles, uh, the, the great crowds begin to hear about what he's doing. And they start following him. And so he winds up with a great crowd of, of people. And one day, he's teaching this great crowd of people, and it starts to get to be lunchtime. And uh, instead of stopping his sermon in time to get home for the Cowboys or NASCAR or whatever, um, he, he says, how can we feed these folks? And the only thing close by, the only thing that they could get their hands on was five loaves and two fish. And so he takes the five loaves and the two fish, and he starts to break them and multiply them. And he asked God to, to, he gave thanks to God first. After giving thanks, he breaks them and multiplies them, starts spreading them out. Everybody gets their fill, and there's 12 big baskets left over after we're talking about thousands of people here, by the way, 5,000 men estimated, but then uh, that's just the men. So you add the kids and the women, we're talking 15, 20,000 people, something like that. After all that, that's a very long day. He, he and his disciples are tired. The disciples decide, uh, well, he sends the disciples uh, across the lake. They get in a boat and they're going to go across the lake. Well, Jesus says, I need to have some alone time. I, I need to rest. So y'all go ahead and I'll join you later. They start their journey across the lake and, um, and look up, and here comes Jesus walking on the water out to them. He gets to the boat, he joins them in the boat, and they continue their journey to the other side of the lake. The next morning, all of those people who have gathered, they, they go to the shore and they say, you know what, there was only one boat here yesterday, and we saw the disciples get in that one boat and go across the lake. Jesus was not in that boat. So where is Jesus? He fed us some good food yesterday. We need to find him again. Where is this food-serving dude? Well, they finally, decide to, they, they finally decide maybe he made his way across the lake as well somehow. So some other, some other boats come by, and they get on those boats, and they go across the lake, and they start looking for Jesus. Let's pick it up, John chapter 6, verse 22. On the next day, the crowd remained on the other side of the sea, saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. 
So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. In other words, they went across the lake the same way Jesus had walked across and the same way the disciples had boated across, if that's a verb. They, they, they go the same journey just to the other side of the lake. And notice that they are seeking Jesus. 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Notice he says, you're not looking for me because you believe that I am who I said I am. You just want another fancy meal. He, he uses an interesting phrase. He says, you're not coming because of the signs. Well, the reason for that is, remember I told you he had been healing a lot of people and doing a lot of miracles? The, John helps us understand that Jesus is not doing that to wow the crowd. Jesus is doing that as signs, as obvious uh, proof, if you will, that he is indeed the Messiah. The miracles are called signs because they point to him. They help people understand he is who he says he is in order that they might believe. Remember, that is the key to this entire gospel, and it's the point of our series summarized for us in John chapter 20, beginning at verse 30. We've looked at this a number of times. This is the, kind of the theme verse for the whole series. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The signs were there so people would believe him. And he says now, you did not come because the signs convinced you that I'm Messiah. You just came to see me do a magic trick. You came to get more food. And he continues then, um, <clears throat> verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. The first hint that he is using a natural experience, food, to point to a spiritual reality. He says, you just came because you want more food. Don't run your lives based on getting more food. Don't run your whole life based on making sure that there's food on the table. There's more to life than that. That food that you work so hard for and that you provide and you put on the table, it is eventually going to decay. It's going to go bad. Why live your whole life focused on that food? He says instead, Look at the spiritual reality of a food that lasts forever. He, sa he says again, verse 27, reviewing 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, the spiritual reality that I'm about to show you, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? The only thing they knew is that if God was going to give them something, they had to work for it. That's the only life they knew. There are a lot of folks who still think that today, that in order for God to give me something, I have to work for it. I have to earn it. 
I have to say the right thing or do the right thing or be at the right place at the right time. And so they said, what are the works that we have to do in order to get this thing that you're promising from God? And Jesus says in 29, this is the work of God. Now, this doesn't mean the work that God does as much as in this case, it means this is the work that God expects of us, the godly work that he's calling us to, okay? That you believe in him whom he has sent. That is the only work we are called to do in order to find salvation, that we believe Jesus is who he says he is. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe? They said, okay, we weren't paying attention to the signs, but we're ready to pay attention now. So show us another trick. Show us, show us something that'll prove that you really are who you say you are. What work do you perform? And then they give him a suggestion. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. They said, you know, our, our forefathers, they had manna. Now, yesterday you made bread, and, and it was pretty good bread, by the way. And, and we want you to see, we want to do that again. Remember, that's the only reason they came to get more food. And so now they're saying, our, our forefathers in the desert, they got manna every day. So far, you've only fed us once. Prove that you're better than Moses. Prove that you are who you say you are and give us food again. You remember how manna was provided for the children of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness. They'd wake up each morning and there would be new manna on the ground. They could pick up and they could use that manna. And manna was pretty amazing. By the way, the word manna means, what is that? And that's honest. The Hebrew means, what is that? And that, that's the name of, the, of the, the stuff. And they could do amazing things with it. And I mean, they, you know, sometimes they would bake it. Sometimes they would fry it. Sometimes they would boil it. They could do all kinds of, I don't know, make manna cotti or uh, <laughs> uh, banana bread. I don't know. But they... they <laughs> They could do amazing things with it, and they had every day they would keep doing this. So they said, hey, we had, when they had manna, they had it every day. How come you could only feed us one day? And Jesus brings it back. He says, you're still looking at the physical. You're still experiencing. You're still talking about the natural experience. You, you just don't get yet what I'm trying to say to you is about a spiritual reality. And so... Uh, verse 33, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. You remember that was the same reaction that the woman at the well had. Jesus said, when you drink the water from the well, you're going to get thirsty again. But if you would drink the living water that I have for you, you'd never thirst again. She said, give me some of that. Now the people, are, people here, they're saying, this bread sounds great. Give us some of that special bread that, that doesn't go bad, that doesn't get moldy. We want that kind of bread. He says, you're still not with me. This is a natural experience eating bread, but I'm using it to show you a spiritual reality that I am 
the bread that comes from heaven. Verse 36, I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will, I, will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I have come down from heaven, just like manna came down from heaven. He now is the bread of life that came down from heaven. Not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on that last day. He says, if you look at me and believe me, then you've got it. Get your eyes off of the natural experience so that you can see the spiritual reality. And it is in this text that he says, I am the bread of life. The first of seven I am statements that we'll look at as we go through the gospel. Seven different times Jesus says, I am using that word, that name that God chose for himself. God chose the name Yahweh, which means I am. Now Jesus shows that he is God using that name seven different times, the, time, the number of completion, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. We're going to hear it seven times. This is the first one. I am the bread of life. The night that he died, he used bread. Not just to symbolize who he was as the bread of life, but to symbolize how he was about to give his life, how he was about to die for them. The Passover, and for us, the Lord's Supper, is one of those perfect examples of a natural experience that points to a spiritual reality. Eating and drinking doesn't get much more natural than that. But beloved, when we eat and drink in just a moment, please take your eyes off the cracker and the cup and look and see him and believe him. Look beyond the natural experience and find the spiritual reality that Jesus, the Son of God, did indeed give his life, allowing his body to be broken, his blood to be shed, that we might find life.